0: Hey there, it's Riley Reed, your hostess and the creator of Woke Beauty. This show illuminates the power of perspective, compelling you to tune into unfiltered conversations with a dynamic myriad of female visionaries interwoven with my own mental health stories, lessons, and philosophies. So, I wanna talk about sleep, and specifically its effect on mental health. Sleep has been instrumental in my own mental health journey, and ever since I started working with my psychiatrist three years ago, sleep has actually been her, her number one prescription. She has told me since day one that the best thing I can do for my mood disorder is to go to bed at the same time every night, and to wake up at the same time every morning. It has been incredibly hard to implement that advice. As I'm sure you can imagine, as, and as I'm sure you experience, life is so varied, so full, and just unpredictable between travel and work, family obligations, and just to that desire to stay up late doing whatever beckons you, it's hard to get to bed. And of course, if you get to bed too late, sometimes it's hard to get up. And if you get up really early after going to bed too late, it's hard to feel awake. So sleep is a lot more complicated than we would all like it to be. Even though it is one of the very basic needs that we all need, no matter who we are, where we come from, it can be a huge issue in all of our lives, and it's only understandable. I figured out a lot of ways to get to sleep. For me, it's oftentimes just getting to bed, slowing down, literally putting myself to sleep like a child, and I think that's the first step. I think... Oftentimes we have to consider ourselves like little ones and take care of ourselves at night. It's typically when things can get darkest. My anxiety is usually the highest at night and I think it's because the day kind of wraps up into a ball and just somehow (laughs) lands heavily in my hands. And when I sit down or when I lie down, all of that stuff that's in that ball just like unravels. And I think that's the key. That's like the biggest key is that in this crazy, wild, full life, there is so much to consume and there is so much to receive and there's little time to reflect. And so, one of the best things I've done for my sleep actually has nothing to do with going to bed or sleeping, but rather finding the small moments throughout the day when I can take a beat, be still, and practice that deep reflection. So I'm gonna break this down into a few sections. Why it's hard to get to sleep. Terms like revenge, bedtime procrastination, and sleep debt. The effect of lack of sleep the relation of sleep to mental health conditions, and bipolar disorder specifically, and ways to improve both sleep and mental health, including my favorite strategies and rituals. Please note, per usual, when it comes to topics that are a little bit more scientific, I want to ensure that you are aware that I am not licensed. The knowledge that I've gathered comes from my own education, personal experience, medical consulting, and persistent research. And so while you're listening, just know that I'm a resource, relatively well read, and I have a story, and so I'm passionate. But if you need help beyond this podcast, please contact a certified professional. So it's hard to find time to properly unwind. By the time we get to bed, a lot of us are restless. Some of us grab our phones and doom scroll. Some of us toss and turn and fret with thoughts speeding through the fast lanes of our minds. A lot of us resist sleep, even though deep down, we know we need it. This behavior is called revenge bedtime procrastination, and it's actually a Chinese phrase of phenomenon in which People who don't have much control over their daytime life refuse to sleep in order to regain some sense of liberation during night hours. It makes sense. It's one of the two times of day, outside of early morning, that we have total control. It's not so much that we can't sleep, it's that we won't. But sleep deprivation has a broad impact on our health. If we're not getting the sleep we need, it can actually disrupt critical bodily processes. While, contrarily, uninterrupted sleep gives our cardiovascular system a break, rejuvenates cognitive abilities, and even supports our immune systems. In recent studies, it's actually been determined that if you're missing out on the sleep you need, you can fall into a sleep deficit or sleep debt, which is essentially the difference between the amount of sleep you need and the amount of sleep you're actually getting kind of like a credit card it's cumulative the hours you didn't get don't just erase the next day they add up and what's strange is that we're so intelligent and so high functioning we can cognitively and even emotionally adapt to chronic sleep restriction our bodies and minds aren't performing at their peak and yet we don't feel particularly sleepy We come from different backgrounds, present different characteristics, exhibit different shapes and sizes, but no matter the state of our mental health, ultimately we all have three basic needs, food, water, sleep. If we're lacking in any one area, no doubt we'll feel the symptoms, but oftentimes because the symptoms vary, because we're stubborn, because we're distracted and busy and prioritizing other people, oftentimes we ignore the signs, we don't respond to them. There is actual reasoning behind the saying that someone in a bad mood woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Sleep is closely related to mental and emotional health and has shown significant links to depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and other conditions. The evidence shows that there is a bidirectional relationship, which means mental health disorders make it harder to sleep well. And, simultaneously, poor sleep can be a contributing factor to the initiation and worsening of mental health problems. It all seems simple on the surface, but the fact is, both sleep and mental health are complex issues affected by multiple factors. Regardless, bottom line, improving your sleep can have a beneficial impact on mental health and can even be a component of treating and managing psychiatric disorders. Sleep disturbances are particularly common in people with bipolar disorder. I can tell you from experience, if my sleep is off at night, my following day will feel like a burden. More specifically, erratic sleep can contribute to the cycling of bipolar disorder no matter the severity of your case. Disturbances might look like insomnia, delayed sleep phase syndrome, which is a circadian rhythm disturbance, meaning it interferes with the body's melatonin levels and temperatures, an irregular sleep-wake schedule, and even nightmares. So what does that actually look like? You might be waking up more often throughout the night and feeling less rested when you wake up. You might find yourself feeling tired at unusual times or falling asleep when you need to. You might experience additional health consequences, and on days you haven't gotten enough sleep or on days you're significantly overslept, you might notice higher highs and lower lows as well as lower productivity or distractibility. What's really important to understand is that reduced sleep isn't just a symptom of mania or hypomania. A shorter night of sleep can actually cause or precipitate manic and hypomanic episodes. And that's in every form of bipolar disorder. We just have a more delicate internal clock mechanism. All right, so now that I've convinced you that sleep is incremental to your health, Whether you struggle with mental health disorders or not, I suppose I should share ways to cope, strategies to consider, and routines that can help you maintain a healthier sleep pattern. But note, sleep is individualized and subjective. If something doesn't work for you, it's not a lost cause. It just means you need to try another tactic. I think about when I was a little girl, I was watching the movie on the couch with my sister, and... Our parents had different ways of seducing us to go to bed and get our rest so that we could wake up fresh in the morning to go to school. And there were things that my sister liked to do, and there were things that I liked to do. And one of my comforts was this blanket that was, like, tattered and really soft, and I carried it around everywhere. And at first, my sister didn't have one. Eventually, she did. But at the time, the time I'm thinking... That was my thing. That blanket was like my comfort. And so sometimes it's just having that one thing. Maybe it's something physical, maybe it's something tangible, something soft, something that has texture. Or maybe it's a person or an animal or someone that you can rely on, someone that can hold you accountable. I think the biggest advice I can give you, especially if you have a mood disorder, again, go to bed at the same time every night and wake up at the same time every morning. Just like any ritual, it's incredibly grounding. I can't tell you how difficult it is to implement the schedule, or I can, (laughs) but the to-do list begs for your attention. The TV is staring at you seductively. You want to hang out with your partner and go out for drinks. I get it, but putting your body into rhythm can significantly regulate your nervous system, decrease anxiety, enhance your mood, make life at large more tolerable. It's kind of a matter of choosing the short-term disappointment, the suffering that bears better fruit. There's a kind of grief and sacrifice that takes place when you avoid temptation. But in the long run, that thing you're sacrificing for, like a happier life, is worth it. Avoiding heavy meals, if we want to get a little bit more realistic, a couple of hours before heading to bed is super helpful. There have been claims that it's not an issue, but the truth is we don't digest food nearly as much or as adequately when we're sleeping. And so feeling super full is understandably uncomfortable while we're sleeping and can actually be disruptive. So ideally, you want to give your body time to digest and relax after a meal so it can just purely focus on the Zs. And that's the other thing. If you're so concerned about getting the dinner that you've yet to eat and you're rushing around to get it prepped or you're ordering in because you ran out of time, you're just adding more stress to your plate. You want to ensure that your bed is a container for sleep and relaxation only. If you feel stressed, if you feel like you're spiraling, if something is keeping you awake, step out of bed and finish the thing that's bothering you or complete a relatively mindless task like washing the dishes or folding clothes. Try to keep your time out of bed to 15 minutes and then crawl under the sheets, settle down and try again. I actually did this last night and it helped immensely. That being said, you do wanna create an environment in your home and in your bedroom that supports sound sleep. Our brain's biggest cue for when to sleep and when to wake up is light. So bright lights can be super disruptive. We have two different lights in our bathroom, and even when I'm doing my skincare routine or taking a shower at night, I make sure to only dim, sorry, to only use the dimmer light. Keep night lights in the hallways and kitchens so that if you do get up, you expose yourself to minimal light. On the opposite side of the spectrum, lack of light in your bedroom and a light source for when you wake are incredibly helpful. We have blackout curtains and for more effect, especially if I'm in need of deep sleep, I have an eye mask. We keep our thermostat lower at night, 72 degrees Fahrenheit at most, and I don't wear a lot of clothes sometimes when being on a sun at all. In fact, Matthew Walker, who's like the leader of sleep, says that most of the heat in our bodies while we sleep goes to our feet and our hands. So absolutely no socks, and if you're warm but don't want to throw off the covers, just stick your feet out. Your bedroom should be reserved for sleep and intimacy only. I started implementing this maybe a year ago. I got rid of our nightstands, and I just use my little stool by the side of the bed for a lamp, a candle, and the jewelry I wear every day. Pure function and rest. It's about creating a habitat that supports sleep. And that goes for how you spend your days, too. If I drink caffeine in the morning, I keep it to one cup of coffee. I love a good cafe au lait with extra nut milk, less coffee, Mostly just because I love the taste and the ritual of it. It's like a novelty. And sometimes I lean into green tea or Earl Grey if I'm feeling nostalgic. It's one of the few things my parents have in common. They both love Earl Grey and it takes me back to being a kid. Generally, I try not to drink. I've become more and more sober curious as I've grown to better understand myself. While it's incredibly fun and an easy way to connect with people, and I don't know if I'll ever go hardcore, The symptoms just usually, not always really, aren't worth it. It's also one of the worst things you can consume for sleep. For me personally, if I drink one night, typically the night after and the night after that and the night after that, (laughs) I get terrible sleep. It could take me almost a week to get back into rhythm. And that's because alcohol has a scientific negative effect on sleep. A lot of people actually assume that alcohol helps you sleep because it's classified as a sedative drug, but your brain is impacted. And so the quality of sleep you get is actually significantly decreased. It also activates the fight or flight branch of your nervous system, which can cause you to wake up various times throughout the night. Alcohol blocks REM sleep, which is crucial for maintaining both physical and mental health. And ultimately, your hormonal health is compromised in both men and women, which, you know, is really problematic. (laughs) Now, I'm not an expert on sleep. I'm just kind of obsessed with it. But I've included some resources in the show notes if you want to explore further, including an article I wrote a couple of years ago that dives into reframing your relationship with alcohol. I think when it comes to alcohol to each their own, and I think it's really important to step away from shame if you like to drink, or if you happen to have a bender or a good time with friends or whatever, I, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for living a balanced life. I do think that alcohol, sociologically, since the beginning of its creation, has been chemically even a really powerful way for people to connect and so i do think that that framing is really important and some of it is just a matter of really analyzing how you want it to fit into your life exercise is so important even if you skip the gym just getting your steps in walking soaking in daylight All of those things contribute to a good night's rest, even if they happen 10 hours before you actually make it to bed. And that, of course, brings me to last, but certainly not least, a nightly routine. Remember, it's one of the two times of day where you have complete control. You can decide what you wanna do with your time. Try to keep any after-hours to-do lists minimum. Pick one priority or make a list to tackle in the morning after your morning routine and set aside at least 30 minutes to unwind in this way we're not that different from children we need those cues to settle down it doesn't have to be fancy dim the lights turn off electronics find a relaxing environment sit in stillness or listen to a meditation my husband and I love listening to a sleep story in bed together on the call map we rarely make it through the story and laugh when we don't when we don't remember anything I actually reserve brushing my teeth and taking care of my face for the earlier hours. I like to get them out of the way before rushing to complete right before I hit the pillow. It also helps me avoid mindless snacking. If you use TV to unwind, try to keep it minimum. Don't tackle the entire season. Keep it to one episode or just an hour. This will give yourself grace and permission to do something you enjoy without sending you overboard. You have to prioritize rest. And I think that's really important to note too. I've gone into these like really crazy extreme times where I'm like, I'm never watching TV again. And, you know, we live in a world where TV is like kind of everywhere. (laughs) Um, And I actually really enjoy watching TV with my husband. So I've accepted that that's okay. And there just needs to be um, a boundary set there. And as long as I hold myself accountable and stay true to what I know works for me, then a little here, a little there won't hurt. If you struggle with bipolar disorder or another mood-related condition, it's okay to rely on medication if you have particular trouble getting to sleep. It's okay to communicate with your family members that you have boundaries and framework around your sleep. You are more vulnerable to a daily and nightly routine. That's okay. Ultimately, you are contributing to higher self and to a better life. Truth be told, I felt frustrated that I require a particularly special routine and schedule. But I've tried to frame it like we are all different types of grass and plants. Some of us require more water. Some of us need full sun. Some of us bloom in certain times of the year. Some of us, like hibiscus trees, need to protect ourselves. We need to grow we need to close our flowers at night. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Your listening ears mean the world to me and they're what makes this podcast real. If you have a moment, please rate or review. It means a lot. You can meet me on Instagram at Riley Blinks Read. Learn more about woke beauty at wokebeauty.com, and you can always drop some feedback in my inbox at riley at wokebeauty.com. I'd love to hear from you. As always, remember you can have a beautiful day, even if it's not that beautiful.